Good morning. Let's begin. Welcome to X2M 138 Palisade. It seems fitting to me that we begin with Psalms 138, and apparently fitting as the words called this. Psalms 138, I will give thanks with my all, all my heart. I will give thanks with all my heart before the divine council. I will sing praises to you. I will bow down before and toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name because of your loyal love and faithfulness. For you have exalted your promise above the entire sky. When I cried out, for help you answered me and you made me bold and energized me let all the kings of the earth give thanks to you Lord when they hear the words you speak let them sing about the Lord's deeds for the Lord's splendor is magnificent and though the Lord is exalted he takes note of the lowly and he recognizes the proud from far away and even I must walk in the midst of danger, you will revive me. You oppose my angry enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord avenges me. O oh Lord, your hased endures. Do not abandon those whom you have made. If you can get this as a, a picture, of this um, event. The picture has been painted here in 138 is there's a divine council in the heavens that the Lord superintends and intervenes upon. The psalmist is saying before that assembly, before that divine council, I'm going to sing praise to you. Now, when I was in that divine council back in 2018 and was initiated into it and came in and was dragged into that seat, all I could do was hold my head down while the divine council said, he's not going to make it. And then the Lord said to them, he will because of what I've done and what I've completed, he'll make it. And and so on the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can be before him even now, before the Lord, and sing praises to him. We magnify your name, Lord. Magnify you, Lord. Magnify the greatness of your name, your holy name. What was austere has become acceptable in your sight.
Isaiah 27. At that time, the Lord will punish with his destructive, great, and powerful sword, Leviathan, the fast-moving serpent, Leviathan, the squirming serpent, and he will kill the sea monster. That, I was standing here. I said, what is going on, Lord? He said, I want you to see this about the killing of the sea monster. Hey, he said, yeah, what hat do you have on today? He asked me a question. I said, uh, what's this say? It says Seeger. And he said, what does that mean? I was like, oh, it means sea spear. Because I'd looked it up. And he said, no, I want to deal with um, this Leviathan sea monster. And, uh, you know, spear the, spear the little guy through. When that time comes, sing about a delightful vineyard. I, the Lord, I, the Lord, protect you. I, the Lord, set a palisade around you. What is a palisade? It's a place or a fortress of protection. Now, I'm placing a palisade around you to protect you within the garden, the garden of this Eden land. Sing about a delightful vineyard, a brand new day that's upon us. Oh, yes. Yeah. Don't you know that your enemy's been vanquished? Mm -hmm. I'll a wall of fire around you. I'll secure you, says the Lord. I'm your protection. I'm your safeguard. Mm -hmm. You've taken the land. You have the land. I believe you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you even if my eyes don't see. Blessed is the one who trusts me even when their eyes don't see. Oh, I place all my trust in you, Lord. My enemy is vanquished. The land is ours. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord is greatly I praise you, Lord, in this house. I honor you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all ye saints. Praise the Lord. of the sun to the place where it goes down from the farthest reaching stars to where I stand here on the ground from the rising of the sun to the place where it goes down from the farthest reaching star to where I stand here on the ground. I lift your name. I give you praise for all my days. 
refresh your soul this morning if, if you've been dealing with weariness uh, I just want you to come forward across the front just weariness has been trying to just you know sap your energy get you fatigued take you out of your place and dealing with weariness he's promised me I'm going to bring a complete washing and just cleansing right now to uh, bring refreshment to your soul Jeremiah chapter 31 25 I will refresh the weary, and I will satisfy you who have been walking faint-hearted. Lord, I pray and agree with your word right now for the complete refreshing. Let the water just flow across the front. Don't 
If you feel led to come and pray for someone up here, please come behind them and pray over them and bless them.
this verse, Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he will increase strength. been brought to a place of where you've been weary, you've been brought to the edge of your faith, trust barrier as a Brad Ames will put it, but if you've been brought to the edge of where your faith can travel, the edge of what, the edge being that I've not been this way heretofore, I have no concept beyond this, I don't know where to go, and I've, I've done everything the Lord's wanted me to do, I've been faithful to Him, I've trusted Him, and then we would think, as Stephen was saying this this morning, that his ways are so unlike our ways that the Lord maybe would bring us to the end of ourselves, to the place where we're like at the verge of passing out. But, it, but listen to the word of the Lord. I can feel this in my hands. And he tells me I'll put this in their hands and I'll put this over their heads. Even now, who does he give power to? To the faint. He's not giving power to the one who's like just fully satisfied and has everything. He's to the one who has been run to the very edge. To the one who said yes all the way to the Lord and said, I'll not back out. I'm not pulling back. But yeah, I'm going to admit that I've come to the edge of everything I can do. Okay, good. Good then. I've come to the edge of my finance, the edge of this relationship. I've pushed my health to the very edge. Good. Let me empower you. Let me give you my power. Now. That's the way he does things. I'm at the end of myself, Lord. And I wait for you, Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will be renewed. I know like me, maybe you, I get to the edge like this so many times and then I want to back away from the edge. I want to set up my reserves and figure out how I'm going to secure myself and how I'm going to fix that comment or I'm going to fix that place. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to set up my security. And the Lord's like, no, I want you to come and just release everything to me. Trust the Lord. You've not been this way heretofore. You've not breached this barrier yet. My mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. That's what I began to say. That's what I've learned. My soul's learned to say to him in these places. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is greater than mine. It's your faithfulness that gives me the faith. It's your faithfulness that gives me the grace. My soul is dependent upon you, Lord. I need you, Lord. 
wait on him. We wait on you, Lord. We wait on you, Lord.
Habakkuk chapter 3. This is the prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I've heard the report of what you did, and I am awed, Lord, by what you accomplished. In our time, repeat. In our time, repeat these deeds. In our time, reveal them again. But when you cause turmoil, remember to show us mercy. God comes from Teman, the sovereign one from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covers the skies. His glory fills the earth. He is bright as lightning. He's a two-pronged lightning bolt flashing from his hand. This is the outward display of his power. Plague goes before him. Pestilence marches right behind him. The Lord is taking up his battle position as he shakes the earth. And with a mere look, he frightens the nations. And the nations and mountains disintegrate. Let every hue be brought low, Lord. Travel. Travel on the ancient road. I see the tents of cushion. Overwhelmed by trouble. The tent curtains of the land of Midian are shaken. Is the Lord mad at the rivers? Are you angry at the rivers? Are you enraged at the sea? Is this why you climb into your horse-strong chariots? Your victorious chariots. The Lord's bow is ready for action. You commission your arrows. Selah.
miles of flash floods on the Earth's surface. When the mountains see you, they shake. The torrential downpour sweeps through. The great deep shouts out and lifts his hands high. The sun and the moon, they stand still in their courses. The flash of your arrows drives them away. The bright light of your lightning quick spear. You furiously stomp on the earth. You angrily tramp down the nations. The Lord is marching now to deliver his people and deliver his special servant to strike the leader of the wicked nation and lay them open on the lower body to the neck. Sailor. the heads of warriors with a spear. They storm forward to scatter us. They shout with joy as if they're plundering the poor with no opposition. But you, Lord, you trample on the sea with your horses and on the surging, raging waters. I listen and my stomach churned the sound made my lips quiver. My frame went limp as if my bones were decaying. And I shook as I tried to walk. I long for the day of distress to come upon the people who attack us. And even when the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, and when the olive trees do not produce, and the fields are yielding no crops. And even when the sheep disappear from the pen, and there's no cattle in the stall. Yeah! Have a rejoice in the Lord! Rejoice in the Lord! Rejoice in the Lord! Rejoice in you, Lord! Rejoice in the Lord! Ooh. Ooh. Yes, rejoice! Rejoice! Rejoice again, I say rejoice!
source of my strength. He gives me the ability as a deer. Yeah. <laughs> to leap over every obstacle. Look at you. Look at who you are. He's caused us to navigate through oh rugged terrain. <laughs> oh, through this adversity and that adversity and that problem and that obstacle, and to navigate right through it. Rejoice in the Lord, oh my soul. And all that's within me, bless the name of the Lord. In the middle of adversity, in the middle of trial, in the middle of affliction, it's hitting us on every side. Rejoice! said to me, he said, hunt down your enemy. <laughs> hunt them down. Yeah. Go after them. Yeah. Go offensive. Oh, no more defense. Just offense. Hunt them. Track him down with your spear and pierce him through. Yeah. Show him. Rains, Lord rains. Oh, yeah, yeah, you reign, Lord. You reign over every obstacle, you reign over all my adversity, you reign over my enemy. Oh, he'll come at you one day, one way, and be scattered seven. Oh, you reign, Lord. Great in power, great in might.
and he shall drink by the brook in the way. There he lifts up his head. Amen. just wanted to share that um, this intercessory set, so to speak, um, this is real time. So I wanted to share my, um, you know, when you have like, yeah. hey, hold on. Oh, sorry. You're going to say. I just want to piggyback off that or horseback off of it. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, no, uh, horsebacking off the back of this, uh, that's exactly what the word said to me. He said, this is real time event. You know, right now, this is happening right now. I just want to say, because I, you said that to me, I don't know, like uh, 20 or I don't know. I lost track of time. Maybe five minutes ago. <laughs> All right. I thought he was going to go up and say happy anniversary to Kelly and me. <laughs> happy anniversary to Kelly and, and me. And him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many years? 29. 29 years. Yeah. Thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> real time, yeah. So one, one more year and we have the pearl, you know, 30 years. Yeah. So That's real time. <laughs> That's real time. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, war happens in different ways, you know, when we're in inter intercession. Um, sometimes, like a few weeks ago for me, I was in the midst of that feeling of, of full-on intensity and the release of angel armies, like thousands on the, on the ground being released throughout the earth, you know. Today, um, I was enraptured in the, in the, the love of God, the, the, the union that we have. And as I'm in that place, um, I found myself dancing to the four corners. And when I got around to this corner over here where the Scroggs are, um, that's when the, the, the words came from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I release my horses and chariots and saw them. Now, this is before he read Habakkuk. So I felt it was important to share this because it's real time. We're entering in to the one's presence who intercedes day and night. We just join with Jesus' intercession. And then I went and shared it with Peter, and Peter gets up to the seventh vision of Zechariah, which is about the chariots. So I just wanted to share that. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. This guy, is it? Hello. Hey, Melinda, Steve, welcome back. And everybody else here, welcome back for the return. <laughs> uh, last Sunday before our potluck, I was out on a morning walk, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, I'm wanting you to launch a challenge on the, uh, on the collider. Ooh. And, um, and so I... I, I going to just briefly introduce this this morning and then and I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions and my children were like dad can you please re you know introduce us this morning and then we'll determine a date when we're going to begin it together as uh, corporately so like really in my I don't it sounds odd bear with 
because they had to change out the sound system and we didn't know about it. And so it just happened. And so uh, our guys are doing amazing uh, work back there. It's just they had to like do a whole new board this morning. Everything is like brand new. And so they've done amazing considering. Thank you, Nate and and Drew and uh, Manny and uh, Elizabeth who've all helped out with that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read to you what I've wrote in the introductory challenge, and then I'm just going to break it down a little bit, and then more than likely it'll be introduced this week. Let me say this. If you're not, like, connected yet, like, let's say through email or a way we can connect with you or Facebook Messenger, please, um, i tell you what, speak to my wife, Kara. Will you raise your hand, Kara? right there in the middle. If you would just talk to her and, and give her your email address or, or how we can connect with you on Facebook Messenger, do that because if you, if you were like, man, I really want to get in on this, we need to make sure that you're connected to it. And so here, here, here it goes. Welcome, Asheville Collider. Join the Star Child X Challenge. We have uh, X, which is within X2M. X2M means um, it has a second exodus kind of flavor, but... When the Lord had introduced it to me, he said, there's going to be a second exodus, or I was, I was reading it, and he says, well, I'd, I'd really like for you to call it exit to millennium. And I said, okay, so we'll call it what you say. You know, you said, you can call it a second exodus if you want, but I call it exit to millennium. So when you hear X to M, that's what you're hearing. Uh, welcome to this introductory challenge to integrate the double helix. Now, how many of you were involved in us pioneering in the double helix? Uh, okay, a few of you. The Lord himself, through 20 weeks of this ministry, delivered us 10 Greek words, um, and I'd get them every week, and 10 English words, and there's a match on them, and it, it makes a symbol like a helix or a double helix in the DNA. And each one of these words represent an aspect of Jesus's Christology. And um, he utilized Song of Songs chapter 5, the 10 aspects of his person that the bride spoke of to lay this, uh, these Greek words out in the New Testament. It is the most phenomenal thing. And so when I say double helix, I'm talking about the seed of God that enters in to us when we're born again. And then in-depth understanding of how Jesus' Christology that he paid for at the cross can integrate with your humanity, that his full divine nature, because we, he doesn't want some partial, uh, partial uh, transfer, a blessing of what he has went to the cross for in us. And so, and so that's what I mean when I say double helix. And, there, you know, there's a lot to that. Uh, but that's just in short. So that's the X of X2M is the symbol. The X is the symbol of the chromosome of X2M. So I, I wrote into your anthropological frame. <laughs> so welcome to the introductory challenge to integrate the double helix into your anthropological frame. Do we understand podcasts? What does that mean? Well, I've realized after some time that many of us struggle our whole lives attempting to figure out how to live a good life. And while many of us figure out some areas, other areas seem to fall short. Our family, our culture, our workplace, our friends, they're all offering advice in the version of the good life. What I've discovered in this 
is that Jesus is the best model for real living. He's our best objective example for all of mankind. While many people believe in Jesus, they don't find him relatable, or they think of him as an experiment, or that he's just so far off, he's a historical person. Jesus' last name, you've heard me say, is not Christ. He's not Jesus H. Christ. It's not his last name. My wife asked me what I meant by that. Why do I say that is because Christ means the anointed one. And so it's not pinning on him like uh, Henry Todd, like a name that comes from uh, his dad and his dad's dad. He's saying that he's Jesus, and a part of his very humanity, Jesus, he has a full Christology, Christ. That same Christology that Jesus went to the cross for is meant to uh, come in complete conjunction with you, with your own persona. That God gave you a persona and he wants to give you his complete and full divine nature. And so um, his divine nature is not only his uh, right, it can be yours too, or is yours. And when we place our trust in his person, we become a people like him. Not, not him um, with his own persona, but our own persona linked again with his divine nature. Walking on water or cloud riding is some serious stuff. But what if it's not? What if it's just the joy of being delighted in by the Father? I mean, is Jesus' persona a concert pianist? Is he an NFL quarterback? Is he a Starbucks barista? Does he work at Target? Is he into extreme sports? Is he an extreme sports no snowboarder? Is he an environmental engineer? Nope. He's king of the universe. That's Jesus' persona. He's the king of the universe. He's the king of all. He's the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. His, his persona, and he has many names. But we're not that persona. We were given a persona in the Greek, it's called a prosopon, that is individually ours. And what happened in the fall is that persona got colluded and covered up with darkness and sin, and it stopped the connection, the connection between his Shekinah light himself and us. Our Mishkan is what it's called. Your temple is called a Mishkan. And so it put a thing between us. You could imagine like having eight points because that's how many there are in the order of Melchizedek, which is spelled with eight, seven letters and one doggish in the middle, king, high priest. That in those eight points, those contacts, they were meant to be gold or are gold. They need to be cleaned off. That's the process called sanctification. And when they're cleaned off, the divine Shekinah can link up with your persona through your mishkan, your temple, and have full integration with you. Jesus paid for that. That's what he enjoyed every day and does right now as a glorified man. He enjoys a full integration of light with the Godhead as he is in the Godhead. 
He wants this Christology for us. And so this is a big part of this ministry is full Christology, full tabernacling with, the, with God, living his life by the Holy Spirit, uninhibited, light breaking forth out of you. <laughs> the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Um, you might say this is very technical. Well, it is. And it's also as simple as the faith of a mustard seed to just place your full trust in him. So this challenge, um, well, I wrote, if that's the case, your persona can be fully integrated with his divine nature, which I just said, dude, that's the best news I've ever heard. I never thought that the gospel was actually good news in the religious system. I don't know about you. I didn't think it was that great. This is good news. That Jesus is the objective proof, and he is a person. Well, so are you. Uh, this challenge consists of three sections, each corresponding to one of the three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 7, these offices are also epitomized in soldier, athlete, farmer. I did a sermon on this last week when we were out at the pavilion. This is a voluntary challenge. It's meant to stretch you, and it's meant to help break you through relational, physical, and financial barriers. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 23 through 27, I do these, all these things because of the gospel so that I can participate in it. Do you not know that all the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we're doing it to receive what? An imperishable one. But listen to what Paul says. He says, so I do not run uncertainly or box like one who is only hitting the air. Instead, hear this, I subdue my body. He didn't say I subdue my soul. He didn't say, I subdue my spirit. He said, I subdue my body. He says it for this reason, and I make it my servant. So he's not, he's not serving his body. He's making his body his servant. So that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So in the Star Child X, uh, what we have is, it's a 60-day challenge. After Star Child X, there will be Star Child M, and then there will be Star Child X2M. The Star Child X challenge is 60 days. Star Child M will be 75-day challenge, and Star Child X2M will be a 90-day challenge. Um, these, these will challenge you. They're meant to. The, this course is meant to challenge you. If you want to participate in it, you do not have to. I would like full collider participation. That's my personal desire that you will participate. But I can't make you, I can't impose my will, nor do I want to, nor do I want to manipulate you into anything. But I would really like for you to engage with this. At the end of this challenge, every participant will receive, we'll give out T-shirts to some people that motivates them. Uh, my wife said, if that, you're getting a T-shirt, I'm doing it. So I don't know. Maybe she likes T-shirts. I don't know. <laughs> so I was like, well, if it motivates her. And um, 
We might also do a sack race if we get a bunch of people tying. And she said, also, if you're doing sack races, I will compete. <laughs> because uh, I thought we might get a bunch of people that just absolutely win and they're all tie. And so I don't know. You know, maybe you'll be like, no. You know, a couple of my kids, they've already told me I'm going to win this. And then Austin Harris told me I'm going to win. And Gus Vickery told me I will win, you know. <laughs> Because I, you know, so, I mean, we have a bunch of winners in here, you know. I know that you're that way. You wouldn't be in this ministry if you weren't like, man, I'm bent on winning. I want to win. That's okay. But if you do, if you all win, <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> if you all get the max number of points that can be scored in the, in the challenge, then um, I, I, uh, we, okay, so we will award one male and one female will be awarded at the end with substantial prize. In the case of a tie, more than two of the same gender, then there will be an examination on the double helix. <laughs> and I've already put the link in the notes for you to begin studying. Um, it, whatever's in that document is game. And so if you already think I'm winning this, Go ahead and start studying right away because someone else is probably going to be like, I'm winning too. And so um, you can click on the double helix link and read through it. It's highly, it's, it's complex. But I didn't know how else to get all you winners to really understand <laughs> what I've tried to say to you from the Lord. The Holy Spirit gave me this. So I, want to, I want you to look at it. Prepare for transfiguration. I've spent with my wife probably now 17 to 18 years pioneering with the Lord, in partnership with the Lord for glorification. And human development is at the base of all of that, as you would imagine. And so this is the work of almost 20 years of our life being put into something um, that, is, that you can engage with. This is a big deal. Um, I have never done anything like this. The Holy Spirit told me, I want this. And I said, Why? You know, oh, I'm not supposed to say why. <laughs> what are you doing here, Lord? And this is what he said to me. I don't want just, he didn't say this exactly like this, but I'm going to paraphrase what he said to me. If that's okay, Lord. <laughs> I think it is since it's in his word. Do not be just hearers of the word, but doers only, unless you deceive yourself. And I said, oh, Lord. Okay, now, all right, I'm going to give you just some of the challenges, and then what we're asking, what I've, I've thought through this, I'm asking, and if you can't do this, just let me know. I think most of you can, or $22 for entry. reason why is because the T-shirts, probably we might get them 7 to $8 a piece, and then we're going to take the rest of it, put it into the pot for the two winners, and split the prize. And so $22 a person, um, and if that's a problem for you, let me know, and we'll figure out a way to cover your costs or whatever. If you just like, I can't do it. If, and I think this, and if you want to contest this, you can, but I'm thinking 13 years of age and up because of some of the nature of the challenge. I know, so think about that, and if, if you want to contest it, it's fine and say, no, I want my child to do this, and they're four years old. Like, <laughs> Reading a double helix may be hard for a four-year-old, but if they win, you know, <laughs> anyways. All right. So there's nine total challenges. One is attend a collider event, whether in person or online. 
And uh, there's three components of that, engage in the worship, engage in the sermon, and, and engage in some way to serve during the week within Collider somehow. It does, it could be, it, it could be basically anything. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a big thing. It could be a little thing, but just engage in service. Biblical meditation. Take time. It'll be just like 10 minutes or something. Take time to spend with the Lord. I think all of you are just going to be like, this is, you're going to think, I think most of you are going to think this is like, I'm already doing this. So this is not a big deal. But we're going to take um, biblical meditation, meditate on with worship um, in scripture or in your prayer time with the Lord. So that's S1, soldier one, S2, biblical meditation. S3 will be reading. I'm assigning you a reading uh, that I want you to look at that will help you out prophetically. It's not written by a Christian author, but it's, it has to do with uh, three days of the condor and information theory and communication theory that was used with the CIA. It's excellent. The Lord used it with me. It's helped me a lot, but they do communication theory models and it's beautiful work on deciphering and deciphering deciphering information and code and how to work through code and how to work against uh, your enemy cryptologist and how to get divine information. It's a phenomenal work, but I'm going to have you reading in that for a few minutes a day, and then you'll be journaling a little bit about what you're engaging with it, like a sentence or more. All right, that's soldier, athlete. We're introducing you into a nutrition plan. With zero sugar. <laughs> hey, it's voluntary. You don't have to do it unless you want to win. <laughs> um, a nutrition plan that you, excuse me, that you log. And, uh, and you can write it down, write down what you're eating, or you can log it into MyFitnessPal. It's really simple to do. You can even scan barcodes, whatever. You log your nutrition. One thing I'm doing with that is, because my wife talked to me about this, is I'm giving you, um, if you log your nutrition and your zero sugar for that day, you'll get three points. Most all of these are three points. If you stick to the plan for the most part, we'll, get, we'll let you have two points. Okay, so that's kind of like giving you, like, I just can't do it. Now, if in the nutrition plan, well, if there's a medical issue, you know, Okay, you know, we'll deal with that. Okay, so don't, don't do something against what your doctor wants. <clears throat> Athlete number two, be active for 30 minutes. Engage aerobically for 30 minutes a day. So that could be as simple as walking. That would probably be one of the most simplest things you could do. Gus and I talked about this yesterday because I had you 45 minutes, 30 minutes aerobic, and 15 anaerobic. And he said, no, Carol, don't do that yet. Because I was thinking, and what am I going to do? He's like, take a book and push it over your head, you know, anaerobically or whatever, you know. But we're going to make it 30 minutes with option. You'll get no more points for this. But if you split your aerobic activity and 15 minutes of anaerobic and 15 minutes of aerobic activity, uh, that's 30 minutes a day uh, for the points. Again, it's all voluntary, so you don't have to do it. But I, I think you'll find taking a walk with the Lord is not that hard. Enoch did and Adam did, you know, and he was not. <laughs> Maybe you'll be out of here before the, uh, anyways, I'm collecting my prize. All right. And then because we have soldier, athlete, farmer, which is prophet, priest, and king, 
And the third component of athlete, I've put an analogical assessment. And what I'm wanting you to do is to take your biblical meditation time in S2 and your reading in S3 and integrate them together and ask the Lord, how are you speaking to me today? And just write down a note. It could be a sentence. It could be if you're verbose or a rudeite, write you a whole book, you know, about how he's speaking to you, how you're picking him up. The material I'm giving you in the reading is going to help you to look beyond uh, the surface and to see into how the Lord may be speaking to you and activating you in your life. And this is very important. I practice this every single day. Every one of these uh, can be done. My wife just wrote me. She said, I'm getting too long with this. (laughs) I'm getting you, man. (laughs) You want to do that to me, generosity. This is in the farmer one, farmer two, farmer three. We, I want you to f- see the glory and joy of what happens when you increase your ROI and decrease your ROR. Y'all know what I mean? When you increase your ROR, or ROI, it's a return on your investment. Do you want to increase your ROI? Yeah, you do. Because if you, if you give, you'll have more to give. That's the way the kingdom works. You decrease your ROR by rate of return, meaning that I'd like instantaneous returns like this, Amos 9, and the plowman shall overtake the reaper. That's what happens in the restored booth of David. You're like, man, I can barely keep up. I'm just so blessed. It's blessings overtaking me, blessings overtaking me. I've thought a lot about this, and you've never heard me say this, and um. You can go through and read. I have guides on all of these written up for you. I'm going to ask that you, because there's a biblical precedent on this, give into the storehouse, um, 10%. Most of you already do that here. But as a challenge, it's going to challenge some of you because of the way we've been raised, the way we think, 10% of your net income. Now everybody's quiet. Money, man, is like, so like, it's like, well, don't you do that, you know, it's like, I know, and I'm doing this on purpose. The Lord told me to do it. I said, okay, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there because he said, you have to obey Scripture. I said, I obey Scripture, Malachi 3. I obey 2 Corinthians 9. It, the precedent is there. F2, work. This is the work I have for you that you believe on the one whom he has sent. The Word has assigned us to work six days a week. We want you to be engaged in some kind of work. That you click off every day that, hey, I, was, I uh, was productive today in some way. I'm producing in some way. You're retired. You're still able to give of yourself in some way to produce and to give of your life. And so there's none of us that's not engaged in some level of work. F3, Sabbath rest. This is the other one that, that I've had to think through because both my wife and my mother had some issues with this one. And so I want to just say, and then we'll finish this, what we're looking for, I personally think that Saturday is the best day for this. I believe, not just personally, I believe I could probably prove it with Scripture. But I also know what Colossians 2 says. Don't let anybody judge you in Sabbaths, new moons, what food and what drink you partake of. And so what we'd ask you to do is to take a portion of your week, and rest from trying to produce a living or an income 
and give yourself uh, to the Lord. Uh, give yourself time to the Lord and with your families. Enjoy your families. On our Sabbath, we do things like we uh, still put dishes in the dishwasher and things like that. And you know, sweep and stuff like that. So now, again, the guides are here. This will come out. Um, and all right, amen. This will more than likely start. Uh, I got people texting me like crazy. <laughs> Drew Bryant's like, I'm ready to start tomorrow. Okay, thank you for your enthusiasm there, Drew. And Kara's telling me I need to transition to service right now. Because y'all, we all need the word of God. <laughs> oh, I'm getting you. Give me a vision. Um, so this, what I'm anticipating doing is we will start to kick this off next Sunday. Sunday. It'll last for two months. And then I need to get this out to you before then so you can get it. It's an app. It's really easy to, uh, to work with. The app is really easy, straightforward. And then um, I'll help you with it. If we don't start it next Sunday because too many people are like, ah, then we'll start the following week, okay? All right. Now we're ready to transition. Zechariah chapter 6. I still have 15 minutes. Zechariah 6 verse 1. Once more I looked. And this time I saw four chariots emerging from between two mountains of bronze. Harnessed to the first chariot were red horses, to the second were black horses, to the third were white horses, and to the fourth spotted horses or dappled, all of them strong. Then I asked the angelic messenger who was speaking with me, what are these, sir? And the messenger replied, these are the four spirits of heaven that have been presenting themselves before the Lord of all the earth. The chariot with the black horse is going to the north country, and the white one are going after them. The spotted ones are going to the south country. All the strong ones are scattering. They have sought permission to go and walk about the earth. The Lord had said, go, walk about over the earth. And so they're doing so. And he cried out to me, look, the ones going to the Northland have brought me peace about the Northland. Oh, Lord, thank you for today and this beautiful event. And thank you for help in Zechariah, this complex piece of literature. Help me to be able to say what it is that we're here to listen to and to experience. In your name I pray, amen. In the series that we've been in, in and I'm just going to back up a little bit to give a macro context view. This is the seventh vision. It's called Judge of the World. Uh, we've been through... And I'm just going to back up to number five. It was anointer of God's temple. And what we had found out in Zechariah 3, uh, before that, guardian of God's court, 
that God was about the business with Joshua the high priest of restoring a symbol like this, a symbol that is actually called a cornerstone, a cornerstone inside the heart of men. Many of us have been about the business in our lives, maybe before the Lord, of trying to build buildings like this. I mean, you know, we can't construct properly, even in today, uh, you don't build a building like this. Why? If all over, all you construction people, you know, and even if you're not a construction person, you know that construction like this does not work. But when God constructed your soul, when he made you and developed you, he put into you a structure that was meant to look like this. This kind of structure requires full dependency on him. And when God is dealing with us in Zechariah 3, guardian of God's courts, is about the business of the restoration of the structure inside to turn it, proverbially speaking, upside down. That's the way that you and I were made. What? We were made to be completely dependent on him. You were made, you were made not to grasp, to, to grasp to the left or to the right. I've talked to you extensively about this in priestess, but because Jesus modeled this for us that we don't, we, don't, we don't count it robbery like him to have equality, but we don't reach out and grasp for, we don't grasp for power, sensationalism, materialism. We don't grasp that the concept of man was always meant to be in a place of waiting, waiting on to see what our father is doing and then acting upon it. All of fallen nature is constructed like this. And so in Zechariah 3, we are restored back to complete dependency. Not a declaration of independence, but a declaration of dependence. I declare myself completely dependent upon the sovereign Lord, my bridegroom, judge, and king. I declare that he is the one who governs my life. And I will have no other governor. I will let him govern everything in this way. I live a life of faith. I live a life of complete trust in him. And I do nothing except what I see my father doing. And he likes that. Switching out. Okay. There we go. And so in... in as we move into anointer of God's temple, Zechariah 4, which is one, probably one of, I think the Lord is working with the church in this end time probably more than ever to get the church into Zechariah 4. If you listen to some of the major leadership that's working in the body of Christ, you'll hear them say, I mean, I'm talking about the guys, you know, that are really, really following the Lord. You'll hear them talk about Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 4 a lot. I had so many encounters with Zechariah 3. I've had so many encounters with Zechariah 4. And I, I believe it's for this reason, because God wanted a full, dependent, constituency family. He wanted the family to be fully dependent, Zechariah 3. He wanted to restore, restore mankind. But then Zechariah 4, which is just a profound concept, that he would come down as capstone and seat himself on the cornerstone. He would build a, in the soul, a, there you have a, a three-dimensional star of David. 
that he would be completely running you <laughs> and that you would agree with it, that you would say, um, I don't want to control my life. I'm not even spouting my own free will. I'm, I am pronouncing that his will is to bring me into lasting freedom. It's the will of God to liberate you. It's the will of God to bring you into freedom. Did he not say that? For freedom I've come to what? Set you free. Now, we lost our way, uh, many of us, uh, from the fallen nature, original sin, total depravity. He converts us. He's uh, Listen, he's massaging us. Hey, listen, you know, listen to me. Do what I'm sharing with you. Walk with me. He's like, oh, I can't do this. Just say yes, but I'm not going to make you. Now we, say, we keep saying yes, yes, and yes. What? To form a structure. Why? So he can come down because he can only agree with that which looks just like himself. One fully dependent. If our master, John chapter 13, if, if he himself is completely dependent on the Lord, then, I mean, how much more should we be? He does nothing, again, except what he sees his father doing. And so then we have Zechariah 4, the God. He comes down and integrates himself with us. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's any need in human society today over mankind, it's that. And I think that's why he said, let me have my way with you. Trust me. The just shall live by faith. Stop reneging. Keep your obedient, your loyalty to me. Hold the line. Your enemy is a devourer. He's wanting to get you off point. Eventually, your nature, if you stay with him, will become so much more and more like him. Eventually, the Lord himself will hang out with you all the time. He's found himself a place to rest. God's not just seeking a place. He's not just seeking a dwelling place. He's seeking a place to rest in you. He's not having to sort of like massage you all the time and work with you in the middle of your trial and your circumstances, your hardship, trying to get you to believe him and trust him that he's a good father. He's a good father and he's faithful. And it just is. And your circumstances do not define that or have anything to do with it. Well, why don't, why don't you? Well, that was the original lie. And that lie is always trying to infect our humanity and get us to stop believing the word of the Lord that he's delivered to us. Well, I suffered you to hunger in the wilderness so that you would know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord, the Lord your God. Oh, man. Proceeding forth out of the Godhead into you by light so that you live by light. You live by him. I don't need meat. The Lord said, you know, this is my meat. What? To do the will of him who sent me. <laughs> How are you going to eat, man? I I think it's probably possible. Now, I'm not telling you to go do this because people are trying this over in uh, you know, the Far East to, to live off light. But I think ultimately we're going there, even though I know the Lord in his glorified body ate. I don't know if you could see it going through him or not. I've always thought that. <laughs> Where'd that little fish go? <laughs> and so anointer of God's temple, vision five, the Lord comes down, sets the pattern, brings the power. He's the prototype. These are some of the events we went through. 
gives us a proposition and is a procreator to make you one who procreates. Six, desolator of the apostates. We just came through that series. Now it's time to kick your enemy out. That proscription goes out. Any, any, any lying and any thieving, out. I'm not going to put up with it in my life, obviously, but I'm also transmitting something. This can't be around me. I'm not going to have this lack of truth, lack of integrity. I had a sermon about that last week, a proscription. And then the purge comes. Your enemy has been taking up a seat that was rightfully given to you. It's time for you to rule in the midst of your enemies. You probably experienced some of that today. Why? Because of the land, proprietor, our last event. Well, the Lord has a kingdom, and he wants to give his kingdom to his people. Hey, little flock, take what you have. Give it to the poor. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Listen, I didn't think that that mattered to me growing up. Like, I don't care about your kingdom thing, whatever. I'm doing my thing. <laughs> I don't know if y'all thought like that. I did. I was like, I got my own kingdom. You know, it's the kingdom of Carol. It's pretty amazing. And it wasn't. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I didn't know that how much it, that I didn't really relish his kingdom. I didn't prize that that kingdom is real living. I thought that the one I was doing was. I thought it was about me, you know. I did, I, and I don't know if I'm communicating to you properly what I really mean, but I think many of us, whether we admit it or not, we're, have been or trying to actually do our own thing. Now, any time that you live anything beyond zero, if you live anything beyond I only do what my see my father doing, let me tell you, just to be straightforward with you, I hope it smacks you right in the face. You're building your own kingdom. I hope it's like, oh, he said that. <laughs> that's what he said, the Lord. So that's what I mean. I was relishing my own idea. I was relishing my own idea of myself, my own idea of the way I'm projecting myself, my own idea of about other people and about their selves. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. No, I want to give you a kingdom. I want you to wait on me. I'm going to reveal that kingdom model and thinking and ideas to you. I'm going to rewrite the code of your understanding. I'm going to place my kingdom inside of you, Luke chapter 7. You're going to express that kingdom out of you. Yeah. And then we get in today, uh, judge of the world. Now, one way the Lord kind of helped me with this, an anointer of God's temple you have an accession. In Desolator of the Apostates, you have an ascension. But in Judge of the World, you have an enthronement. Uh, we just recently watched uh, what hasn't happened in quite a while, uh, King Charles III be coronated. How many of you watched that? Wow, <laughs> not many people were in that. <laughs> it was pretty amazing, actually. I, we watched it on our TV at home. I was like, wow, they're doing a lot of things that look very similar to things we do in the church. No. <laughs> but he got a long white flowing robe. <laughs> it probably cost $2 million, I don't know, you know, whatever. But uh, he's, uh, he did get a T-shirt, Tom. It doesn't say Asheville Collider Starchild X. But it probably would have been better off. <laughs> Anyways. 
But in that, you, you will find this path of accession. What? When his mother passed away last year, he's assessed to see, is this guy the rightful heir to the throne? He has to be looked at by a board. And it's, I think it's pretty simple in his case, but sometimes king and queenship comes up with a big contest. So, it's, nope, it's my family line, and we're willing to go to war on this. My family line is going to be in charge. Another one, nope. It's mine. And so it can be a contest. And so they set up an accession board that reviews um, uh, that king or queen or that monarch. Now here, here's the thing. In accession, in the case with us, that accession is done by the divine council. Now, if, if you haven't listened to Michael Heiser before on his divine council imagery, and I can't go into all of it, but I would suggest that you do uh, look at that and review it like his Psalms 82 work and the whole divine council imagery across Scripture. It's phenomenal. I can't do that today, but there's an accession. I shared with you some years ago that I went, I, I was uh, brought in there, dragged up, you know, dragged up to the door, brought in, put in a seat. I had wet all over myself. I was terrified. I was emaciated. You know, didn't smell good, didn't look good. And um, that was an interesting moment. I was taken into an experience. And I didn't know what that was. And the, and the Lord said, this is the same kind of thing he put Job through. It's the same thing that Jeremiah went through and Micaiah went through. They were being assessed to see, will, will when push comes to shove, will this person be loyal to our king in the face of overwhelming trials and difficulties? And so that's what that has to do with accession, then into ascension. To come in and say, hey, someone's on my seat. I'm going to kick them out. And then into today, judge of the world, X2M 138, Palisades. And I think I finally know where to go. <laughs> We're going to go into Jeremiah chapter 15. I had a sense of this this morning, but I just needed some help from the Lord. Make sure I'm taking you in the right direction. Because let's just introduce this imagery that in enthronement, within second Adam, the restoration of man and woman back into Eden land, not what Adam and Eve were, but second Adam installed his Christology, installed in your anthropology within the mountain of God, the garden of God, okay? And if, if you can imagine that, this morning because that is the concept of today's event, that on, on the mountain of the Lord, from the north, south, east, and west, the expression of the government of God out of your life would be expressed outwardly in four directions. And so this is the imagery that he's given me to preach out of, and that the Lord, through this chariot imagery, would set up a palisade. And what, it, what is a palisade? Now, think of it like this, okay, because maybe I'll try to help you with this. Your original settler within the United States of America before it's the United States of America to colonize, and you're coming into our nation or this nation now, and there's uh, an enemy, and the enemy is wanting to take the life of your family members. And so what you do is what they did, a lot of them did, or to even protect from animals. There's, they build a palisade. What is a palisade? It's when you take like probably four to five inch log 
you put a sharp point on the top of it, you trim down all the limbs off of it, and you piece it together with another one like that. And then you build like a fortress around. Um, many guys, if they could get into it, they would feel, uh, build something that was more elevated so they could see out, so they could monitor their enemy. So picture this with me that we come into a place of enthronement, that we're in Eden land. Um, Asheville was originally called Eden land, by the way. We come into the mountain of the Lord. We've passed a session. We've come through ascension up to the throne. We're coming into a place, and it's time within the Lord in us to begin to uh, make right judgments. Remember, Adam fell on what? A wrong judgment. He was being the prophetic voice in his family, the priest in his family. He was meant to judge and assess his enemy and rule as a king within that domain with his wife and his children. And he got off in his judgment. He made a wrong decision. A serpent came and deceived him. Deceived Eve, and then he went for it. And, you know, travesty, right? There's a lot to be said about that. There is the fall. But today, as we're kind of thinking, like the restoration back to a place of being enthroned with the Lord, like Ephesians talks about, of being seated in heavenly places with him, that the Lord would, you know, have the erection of a palisade around us. It would be erected for the purpose of protection. That he would have that to happen inside. Earlier on, Zechariah, in the very introduction to this vision, we'll talk about that the Lord is a wall of fire around us. This protection and wisdom would come to our consciousness that we could perceive properly. You know, it's not called deception because it's just easy to understand. I mean, Jesus didn't say, uh, be not deceived so many times uh, because it wasn't important. Deception, is a, as an understanding, is important because if you're deceived, you don't know it. <laughs> And so I want to go into Jeremiah 15, verse 10, and I want to just introduce a man who was placed in divine counsel and who is, who's dealing with some stuff. And, I, and then, you know, we'll go through this for a little bit, and I'll close. Jeremiah, it says in the NET, I'm using a new English translation, it says he's complaining about his lot. And so the Lord responds. It could be his lot in life. It could be the lot that he has for his household <laughs> or the lot he lives on. But, you know, it's probably his lot in life, but he's complaining. He says, oh, mother, oh, mother, how I regret that you ever gave birth to me. I'm always starting arguments and quarrels with the people of this land. <laughs> Anybody understand that? I mean, has anybody ever told you, stop judging me? I mean, you ain't saying anything. I mean, I've had that happen. You looked at me wrong. You don't care about me. You thought this about me. You're judging me. You know, I've done it. I've said, stop judging me. But as a believer, as one who is completely given over to the Lord, which I believe you are, your very presence is... And the Lord's very presence inside of you is going to deal with situations around you. 
You ever had someone just get mad at you and you don't even know why? <laughs> I mean, or like, I mean, just blow up and you're just like, I didn't even say anything. I didn't do anything. This is what Jeremiah is dealing with. He's like, my very life, the life I'm living before the Lord is causing quarreling. It's causing conflicts. When I, every time I go around these certain people, they get mad at me for no reason. I've got one of you at this congregation right now that told me that. And I won't mention your day, but I love you, and you know who I'm talking to you. says, every time I'm around somebody, I offend them. I'm just an offense, and I, and I don't even mean to be. That's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying, I'm causing arguments and quarrels with the people of the land. I've not lent any money to anyone, and I've not even borrowed from anyone. Check this guy out. <laughs> he hadn't even been to the bank. <laughs> he's not, what he's saying is, I'm not using usury or trying to gain something from someone, nor am I in a position that would make someone angry at me because I'm not paid my bills. I pay my bills, but I'm not borrowing. And I'm not even running interest on anybody. I'm not running an interest-gaining thing so that someone would be mad at me. You charge me too much interest. You charge me 7.5%. You charge me 27% interest. 35%. I'm not even doing that. I'm not charging anybody anything because I'm not even lending out money. All of these people are treating me with contempt. And I want to tell you, I, I've got to tell you, this is real. You get in the center of God's will in your life, and heat's going to come, man. It's going to come. It's going to come. Sometimes it's even within families. A lot of times it's within families. But, I mean, it's going to come with friends. You may lose some friends. I have lost a, a lot of acquaintances. <laughs> I've lost some dear friends, too. Because what happens is, is that work of God inside of you, what happens and begins to happen, it begins to transform the atmosphere around you. And where you might have been connected with someone before, they'll feel the light coming out of you and they either repent because you've repented or they flee. And I remember one year I, I was, and I've told this story before, I'll say it again. I was sitting at my desk, tears are running out of my eyes, so I had lost another pastor, like an elder in, in MZ Hop. And I mean, I'm upset, man, because I'm like, I, we're never going to see this work built, and I am just saying. And, and, and he told me why I was leaving. He says, you're, you're not egalitarian enough, meaning that I believed in male headship in the family, but not male dominance. I believed in that in the home. And he says, you're not... You're flatlining the home in a wrong way, or you're not flatlining the, the covenant enough. You believe in male headship, and I'm leaving on that. And another one was is you're way too much on generosity, <laughs> and I don't like it. I don't, wanna, I don't like the giving thing. And uh, I sit there with tears in my eyes. I'm like, man, Lord. And you know, the Lord said the craziest thing to me. He's, he's pretty interesting, the Lord is. He says, rejoice. And I said, why? He says, because what's in him is no longer in you. <laughs> He said, because you repented because you were kind of egalitarian and having a problem with generosity yourself. <laughs> I was like, oh. You know, you're claiming your complementarian self, but you really were weak in the knees. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, Lord. You know, because the Lord, he'll tell you the truth. 
But I realize that when someone's contemptible towards you, that is not a good feeling. And that's what, uh, remember, David's wife, and he shouldn't just say, just say right off the bat, he shouldn't have been marrying multiple women. But, you know, Mikael, she had contempt for him because when he danced before the Lord, and she looked down her nose at him, it embarrassed her. And uh, you know what the Lord did to her? She is struck with barrenness. Because that man was dancing before the Lord in a right way, even though he he didn't have on a lot of garments. <laughs> in his underwear, you know, and uh, before all the maidens, she said. She, I, you know, I kind of understand, but I guess the way that she went, went at him about it, the Lord didn't like it. He said, I, I did it before the Lord. I wasn't doing it to make myself attractive in front of a bunch of the women. Jeremiah is saying, all these people are treating me with contempt, and all I've done is a, do what you want me to do. And the Lord said, Jerusalem, I will surely send you away for your own good. I will surely bring the enemy upon you in a time of trouble and distress. Can you people who are like iron and bronze break that iron fist from the north? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out here that I cannot spend a lot of time on because I'm not prepared for it, to be honest with you. But when we're looking at this from the north, I believe what the Lord is speaking of is, is Babylon. And you can't go get iron and break gold. I mean, Babylon was typed with gold. You can't take iron and break gold. It doesn't work like that. I mean, you might can break it, but it's not going to destroy it. And so you're not going to be able to deal with a Babylonian system with iron and bronze. He says, I'll give away your wealth and your treasures as plunder. I'll give it away free of charge for the sins you've committed throughout your land. I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you know nothing about. For my anger is like a fire that will burn against you. It's not like the best message you're going to be telling everybody. And I said, Lord, you know how I suffer. Take thought of me and care for me. Pay back for me those who have been persecuting me. Do not, do not be so patient with them that you allow them to kill me. Be mindful of how I put up with their insults for your sake. It's not the easiest thing in the world to be insulted. It's especially not easy when you're doing what the Lord wants you to do and someone insults you and for you to say nothing to defend yourself. Your words came to me and I drank them in and they filled my heart with joy and happiness because I belong to you. I hope that you can like feel this because I believe so many of you right now are either in the middle of this or are experiencing this in your life. I don't think I'd be up here speaking this message if it wasn't for you. I did not spend my time in the company of other people laughing and even having a good time. I stayed to myself because I felt obligated to you. You know, something, I have a very good wife. I love her so much. I've watched for years her just stay by my side, even though she could go do all these other things and 
She could have got herself involved in so many different things. I, I wouldn't really fully understand this, because, but I've noticed it in her that she, she feels this desire to be near me. Even in the middle of all we've been through, she's been there. I mean, even when we weren't being able to laugh a lot, and, when, and she's a big cut up, and then when life was getting hard, she knows what it's like to stick through thick and thin. Now, many of you are like this. She's like, you know, I could go and do this and that and everything, but I'm waiting on the Lord. Um, I think, Charles, you're a man just like that. And I'm not saying that the other ones of you aren't. I'm just saying the Lord's telling me that right now. That man, he loves me. He waits on me. You're a man like this. I feel, I feel chased to you. I feel like um, the Hebrews, Davakut. I feel like I cling to you my whole life. I just want you. And, I, I, and because I was filled with anger at what they had done. Now, this is in the context of Israel, the church, the God's people. This isn't like the unbelieving world he's talking about. This is the believing world. And he says, um, why must I continually suffer such painful anguish? Why must I endure the sting of their insults like an incurable wound? And then he says something that he shouldn't have said. Will you let me down when I need you? Like a brook, one goes to for water, but that cannot be relied on. Now, I got to say, you've got to be careful in the way you judge your enemy. Because the judgment that you judge, you can be judged back on. What had happened to Jeremiah is he's now beginning to talk like the people he has been sent to restore. To bring them back into right covenant, now he's beginning to speak like them. This is the problem of of a broken humanity. The, the question is, the question that's going on, will you let me down when I need you? What is the answer to that? No. Great is your faithfulness. No. No, he let me down. I'm telling you, Carol, he let me down. You know, I, I'm going to tell you because I've been through this a lot. We have an expectation sometimes of the way a thing should turn out. And we set that expectation in such a way that we believe that God has said that. And yet when that expectation doesn't arrive in the way that we thought it should, now God's let us down. Now, I just want to warn you in advance because we do that. people do this all the time. They set an expectation and they say that's God. You should expect the Lord. <laughs> but don't necessarily set an expectation on some kind of Material thing or sensational thing or power thing, don't do it. Because you can be let down in that way, I'll tell you. But you will never be let down with the Lord. Now, he might push you beyond the edge. He might be four days later, he showed to raise Lazarus. The man was stinky. <laughs> but he's going to show up. You can guarantee it because the word of God says it. It might try you. You might be like, I'm standing on your promises, but I don't see it coming through. You wait on the Lord. You don't move off your position. Why? Because this question is not right, and it comes from the fallenness that happened right there at the original creation uh, at the fall. Will you let me down when I need you like a brook one goes to for water, but that cannot be relied on? 
Now the Lord speaks. Because of this, the Lord said, you must repent. You must repent of such words and thoughts. Okay, I didn't say anything. You know, I don't know how many of you have got into this where you can finally be quiet. <laughs> Some of us, we can't. We just mouth off in the middle of our pressure. But can we come to a point even where our thoughts are not ruling us? Because the word's saying, repent of the thought that I'm going to let you down. It's not just the words, but the thought of it. You're going to, we're not going to make it. We don't know how, whatever, whatever. He said, you got to stop that. Jeremiah, stop it. If you do, uh-oh, if-then statement. It's an if-then statement. It has an exception. It has an exclusion. It has an inclusion. Maybe people don't like that, but this is what the Lord's saying. If you do, I will restore you to the privilege of serving me. I will restore you, literally cause you to return and stand before me. If you say what is worthwhile instead of what is worthless, I will allow you to be my mouth. I will allow you to be my spokesperson. I don't know, maybe you think, who cares? I'm not trying to be a prophet preacher anyways. Listen, <laughs> you can read this from King Solomon, but your words have power and life in them. And they, when they come out of your mouth, you want them to be the very word of the Lord entering into your mouth because they frame the reference points of your complete future and your destiny right out of your mouth. It's right there in the mouth. And you want the word of the Lord on your tongue. You know, because I, I remember reading this years ago, I was like, I don't want to be a preacher anyways. I never did. I didn't want to be a preacher. I want to fly jet aircraft. You know, I, what's the big deal? You know, until the Lord broke me through picking up sticks and rocks, sticks and stones on that mountain for years in buckets. Because sticks and stones will break your bones, and those words will hurt you. They hurt. And the Lord wants the word of the Lord on your mouth. The word that comes out of you, expanding the kingdom out from you, is powerful, the seed that's in your mouth. That even standing before him here is an idiom, and I, and I believe that in this, this way that it is now, that even standing before the Lord, he's like, no, I want to stand my life up inside of you, my full nature inside of you, when my word is on your tongue and is just expressing uh, my kingdom. All of your breakthroughs that you're looking for according to that. And so he goes on, he says, they must become as you have been, but you must not become like them. I asked the Lord about this, and this is the way he explained it to me. I can put such my heart inside of you that, that and, and some of you have dealt with this in, in your family, family and things like that, but I can put so much of myself in you that you become so attractive about me that it could, it could draw the wrong kind of situations. You know, if Christ be lifted up, he'll draw all men to him. It can draw people in in such a way sometimes that they, 
you know, they'll want to take advantage of you or uh, mistreat you or misunderstand your generosity of heart and life. And so he said, I got to put a palisade around you. Um, I've got to put a protection on you, sort of like a, like a stealth covering, like a stealth cloak, so that everything that's like me goes out, but everything that's like the world can't even come in, so that you can express my life to a God-forsaken world, and it'll go right out of you, but nothing else can come into you. Because they'll return, but, but you are not to become like them. You know, be, of the, be in the world, but what? Not of it. I'll make you as strong as a wall, a palisade uh, to the people, a fortified wall of bronze. They're going to attack you. <laughs> uh, they will attack you. Hey, Let's stand together. All you Christ followers in here. Yeah. They're going to they're going to attack you. <laughs> okay? All right, so what? But they will not overcome you. There you go. Bring it. I will be with you and I will rescue you and I will deliver you. Says the Lord, not Carol Lee Moffat II, no, the Lord. Says the Lord, I'll be a palisade around you while you're deploying a chariot army out from you. While you're deploying my kingdom and advancing my cause, I'll take care of you. I'll guard you. And I'll bless you. I'll take you as my own. Now advance, advance with offensive weapons, not of this world, but the weapons, the weapons of heaven. We can be in the midst of a perverse and adulterous generation. We can be in the middle of hardship and difficulty on every side. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is our guard. The Lord is our safety. The Lord is our protection. I'll deliver you. I'll deliver you. Wait on me. It says in Genesis chapter 49, verse 18, about Dan whose name means God is judge. It says, for your salvation, I wait, O Lord. Listen, don't try to rescue yourself. Let the Lord rescue you. Let the Lord deliver you. But don't you dare back down off the position of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't you dare compromise your believing loyalty to the Lord. Don't you dare change your position when he's put his word in your mouth and said to you, I'm standing inside of you. Don't you dare in this culture move off of what God has put in you. Don't you dare. Don't let it be named among us. 
Don't let it be named among us that we deny the Lord because it says he'll deny us. Let it not be named among us that when all the shaking and all the pressure's coming, I know my Lord will rescue me. I know my Lord will deliver me. I place my hope in you, Lord. Oh, I place my hope in you, Lord. Lord, you're my great deliverer. You're my hope. Oh, Lord, you're my foundation, my joy. Oh, Lord, I magnify you and I worship you. I exalt you. Oh, you made my lot pleasant. My lot is going out from me and is pleasant in every place. Glory to the Lord. Glorify the Lord. I glorify you, Lord, in this house. Yes, Lord. Oh, you got us, Lord. Oh, we're yours, Lord. We're yours, we're yours, we're yours. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You're a present help in my time of need. I know you, Lord, and you know me. Oh, Lord. Take it together as a family. Battle scars you wear upon your heart. They remind me that we will never be apart. And from that hill, you went down to the front line. But only your own 
pay the debt the perfect love was owed lifting up my eyes to the Listen to this word as we prepare for communion. Psalms chapter 16. Protect me, O God, for I have taken shelter in you. I said to the Lord, you are the Lord. You're my only source of well-being. As for God's chosen people who are in the land and the leading officials I have admired so much, their troubles are multiplying because they desire other gods. I will not pour out my drink offering of blood to their gods, nor will I make vows in the name of their gods. Lord, you give me stability and prosperity. You make my future secure. It is as if I have been given a fertile field. I have received a beautiful track of land. I will praise the Lord who guides me. Yes, during the night I'll reflect and learn. I constantly trust in the Lord because he's at my right hand. I will not be upended. My heart rejoices and I am happy. My life is safe. You will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful follower to see the pit. You lead my life to a path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. You're the one who gives me sheer delight. And the Lord took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the covenant, of the new covenant, which is poured out for you to do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord.
Genesis are you, Lord? Great, great are you, Lord? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. And may he put his name, Hashem, on your forehead. And may you have peace. Bless you today. Amen. Destined to wear white, and my chest is full of hope, and a dress and veil as snow. And he said he'd come for me, he'd know when I'm ready. My heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I 
must get ready now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Oh, I must get ready the night.